Connecting the Dots on Money and Career, Episode 7. We've realized how important it is to have someone to ask all of your money and career questions. Like, how much should I be saving for retirement? Or how do I negotiate a job offer? That's why we're here. We want to help you connect the dots. Welcome back, guys. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. Um, we a- actually have some you know, exciting updates, both on Danielle's side and on my side. Um, so I can you know. start first because mine is so much less cool than yours. Yours is pretty sure. awesome. Yeah. So um, I actually asked for another raise in a different consulting job. So last week I said, hey... Um, for one of my freelance jobs that I do with writing on personal mm-hmm. finance, I asked for an increase in my rate uh, based on the work that I was doing and my expertise. And I did the same thing in a completely different consulting role. And I'm not so sure if we didn't have this conversation on this podcast here, if I would have done that. I mean, I likely would have talked to Genevieve about it. That's, you know, we, we've been talking about these things for years, which is why we put this mm-hmm. podcast together. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to kind of let you guys all in on the things we discuss, but I'm letting you know that I actually have implemented this system twice and have been successful twice. And even if mm-hmm. I wasn't successful, I was pretty proud that I asked because mm-hmm. if you don't ask, how would you know? It. Exactly. It's like that Wayne Gretzky. This is like the only thing I know about sports. It's the Wayne Gretzky quote where it's like, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Well, you did that. A hundred percent. Yes. And so I'm super happy. Obviously, I'm making more money. That's always positive, Mm -hmm. especially if you're in a journey to save money for retirement and just to do the things that you Mm want to do, as most people are or should be if they're not. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. And I'll say like the big win too is, especially with side income, it's something where you're, you're basically prioritizing your time away from something else. Right. It's time away, not on Netflix or honestly hanging out with my family sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a pretty high cost. I am, I am going to say that I've, I've taken on a little bit too much consulting work the last few months and I need to cut mm-hmm. back for that opportunity cost that you talk about because I am mm-hmm. giving up a little bit too much for this extra income, but there's like kind of a delicate balance. And I think that mm-hmm. most people kind of have to play around with what that balance looks like mm-hmm. and feels right for them. Mm-hmm. But at least I know that in my consulting work now, I am making more money. So that does make me a little bit happier. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're being paid according to the value of the time that you're, it's the, like the opportunity cost of, you know, doing that versus something else. So. I love all of these econ terms. I I was going to say, I hope I used it right. (laughs) Um, So obviously great you know, really cool thing happening on your end, which is great implementing what we talk about and it, it works, guys. Um, on my end, so if you guys have been following from the beginning, um, I around the time that we started this podcast, I had actually uh, left my full-time job. I was doing consulting work with them because I was having some health issues related to stress. If you missed that, go back to episode one because Jen gets all into that. We talked all about it. Um, so what I've been u- doing over the past couple of months is 
you know, consulting with the company that I was working with um, on a pretty limited basis, we all knew that it wasn't going to be forever. Um, and since we last spoke, um, I've actually accepted a new full-time job, which is super exciting. Um, I, you know, obviously over the last three years at my last job, learned a lot. Um, but I'm really excited about this new opportunity. It's with a global company, which is a new experience for me. Um, still doing HR, which I love. And it's also 100% remote, which is also exciting. Yes, you wanted something remote. So that, yeah. that's pretty... I mean, I know you've been remote since the pandemic for quite yeah. some time, but previously you weren't. And so I know you were very open to the idea of you definitely didn't want to be in the office full time. I knew that. No, but, no, no. And you, and you majority wanted to be home. So this is kind of awesome that you are working it's, home. It's perfect. And the, the thing is, like, it gives me the opportunity. You know, I live far away from my friends and family right now. Um, I'm in Dallas, Texas. Everyone else is on the East Coast, being kind of in the, you know, New York City tri-state metro area. So being able to work completely remotely gives me the opportunity to work from wherever so I can maybe go visit people do my normal, you know, working days and then just be able to be closer to my friends and family. So it's super exciting. But yeah, so I, you know, as of our recording today, I am going to be starting next Monday with the new company. And uh, yeah, lots of I didn't actually, I didn't actually hear about this. Did you so you, you told your I mean, I, I knew about your job. Sorry, I didn't, want to yes, clarify. No. I didn't know that you told your I did. kind of current employer mm -hmm. that you're contracting with how did that conversation yeah. go yeah so the conversation was pretty smooth i mean obviously they would have wanted me to you know still stay on they liked you but but they also they knew it was temporary they knew you weren't doing that we arrangement yeah. long term and we both did yeah so um basically what i did is that the way that we were set up is they were monthly contracts and i found out um at the beginning of this month so the beginning of march at this point that i had gotten the offer. So I let the, you know, the new company know, Hey, I'm not gonna be able to start until the beginning of April, I have to fulfill my commitment here. Um, and then I gave my current manager, the absolute most notice and said, Listen, I'm here with you guys until the end of the month. I've been doing a ton of offboarding, you know, documents and recordings and everything so that they are set up as well as they can, they can be. So, um, you know, I think that I think that they really respected that I did give them, you know, more than two weeks notice in this case, because I am the only person who's in the HR role. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which which was contributing to your stress in, in large part because yeah. you were doing just so much for the firm. Yeah. So I think in a few weeks, we'll be excited to hear back on your journey. Yeah. With we'll do this a new rate. company and how it's going. And obviously, like yeah. the first probably two or three weeks are going to be magical. But, you know, that long-term update would be really nice, too. And, I, you know, I'm sure that Jennifer sure. will share that with everybody in this podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be – it's an exciting new opportunity. It's, you know, it's all good stuff. Um, but what we wanted to talk about in this week's episode is something we actually touched on a little bit in episode six. So you all may hear or you may get the advice from your parents that, you know, you need to do what you love. You should love what you're doing at work. Um, follow your passion. Do parents give that advice or do just people on TikTok and Instagram give that advice? Because I feel like parents like get a job that pays you and everybody who's like 18 is like, do what you love. 
So I think it very much depends. I think uh, both of us came from like, you know, working class parents, like people with, you know, jobs um, where you need to pay the bills. So I don't think we got that message. I sure not did not get that message. That's why I was a business major. Um, but there is a little bit more of this, you know, hearing in the ether from people like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life or all of that. And this, this episode, we kind of just want to talk through that. And, you know, this is all obviously going to be kind of opinion based. Um, I have my feelings on it. Danielle and I actually have not talked about this a lot. So I'm interested to see what her thoughts are. Um, Because I think my perspective may be a little bit different as someone who's on the HR and recruiting side. I've seen people um, really, you know, either succeed or struggle in their, their roles based on that kind of mindset. So, um, but I guess I want to open up to you first, Danielle. So what do you think about that? You know, like doing what you love for work. I think it feels a little bit like a pipe dream a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, You hear people that absolutely enjoy what they do every single day and they feel like they're not working. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for most people I know, that's just not the truth. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I know anybody who says like, oh my gosh, I'm meant to do this. I do this every day. I don't mm-hmm. even care if I get paid. Um, that yeah. doesn't really apply to me. I like <laughs> my job and there's days that I'm really passionate about my job, mm-hmm. but I would not say that this job and me are like one, you know? And sometimes I feel like this passion thing is like, this is what I was like naturally meant to do. And yeah, like, I don't like, actually know what I'm naturally meant to do. I will say this. I do think I'm an economist. My brain works that way. I like talking about economics. So I feel like I'm in the right realm. But in terms of like, is this job my passion? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if any job would be though. So I, that's kind of my opinion on this. Yeah. So I will, I kind of land on a similar side is, you know, my my perspective on this is if, you have your job. Your job is meant to fulfill a couple of things for you. First, obviously, is financial. You know, you need to be able to pay your bills. You need to be able to survive. Um, you know, hopefully have a little bit of money for like, you know, fun stuff as a as a person. Um, and I really think it's important that you feel challenged in your job. You feel a sense of accomplishment. You feel... Um, you feel like what you're doing matters. And even if it matters in the the sense of, you know, hey, I work in the accounting department here and I help to, you know, make sure that our bills are paid or whatever. I think that that is much more important and having a sense of accomplishment is more important than being passionate about what you do because... Do you need an accomplishment at your work or is it enough to say like, okay, this is the need, right? You know, there's a financial need and that's enough of an accomplishment because I'm bringing home the bacon, which allows me to forward groceries and other things. You know what? I think that can be enough. I think, you know, at least for me, the past two years have been really galvanizing for me that, you know, work should be a part of your life. You know, we need to support ourselves. Um, But we are so much more than just what we do during the eight, nine, 10 hours while we're working. 
And while work can satisfy some parts of your life, whether it's, you know, social interaction or intellectual stimulation, exactly. And your financial obligations, um, you also have, you know, in the rest of your life outside of this, you're going to have goals and passions there. And I think that, you know, very much like, you know, my perspective on, you know, finding your romantic partner is that, you know, they don't have to be your best friend too. Um, you, it's hard to ex- expect one person to fulfill every need that you have. I think it's also really hard to put all of that pressure on wanting your job to fulfill every need for you. So I think that pressure is yeah. definitely there for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. when they see people online that seem to be doing Mm -hmm. these things that they're passionate about, where they like, you know, claim, Hey, I'm super passionate about this one thing. Do you find these people then to be lucky? The outliers that are just, you know, really fulfilled by their day-to-day work and like all of their passions Mm -hmm. line up in the same space that they do 40, 50 hours a week. Do you find them to be more of the outliers then? Yeah, I think that, um, I do think that it's an outlier for, for most people. I think that, you know, the Venn diagram of something you're really passionate about and something that pays you appropriately, that Venn diagram does not always overlap very much. And I think that for some people, they may be lucky enough that, you know, what they love to do is also something that will pay their bills. Um, But I think for most of us, you may love parts of your job, you may love aspects of your job, you may love the people you work for or you work with, but, and again, like this is me, sample size of one. It's only my experience and the people that I've worked with, but um, I will say the people that expected their job to, you know, be the thing that lights their soul on fire. Are disappointed? Yeah, they're more disappointed. It's very hard to meet. So maybe it's about expectation setting then. Maybe it's about, if you have expectations that this fulfills a couple needs, some of these hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs, companionship, because you see people at work, intellectual stimulation, a paycheck. Yeah. Um, but maybe it doesn't get your, you know, innate, you know, passion. Uh, like, for example, I like working out, but I don't think I want to help other people work out and be a fitness trainer, right? So, like, I am very passionate about, like, breaking a sweat. Yeah. But I don't, at the same time, know that that, is my only passion. I feel like this is really hard for multi-passionate people, someone like mm-hmm. myself, because I like, like I said, I really like economics. I can talk about economics 24 okay. seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know this, I can bring economics into anything. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely want to be in some capacity thinking about economics and policy and inefficiencies mm-hmm. um, is being a faculty member, you know, the most passionate place I could be. I'm not sure, but it's definitely an avenue that fulfills a number of needs for mm-hmm. me at this moment. And so it's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's other people out there who say like this this is this is it. This is everything. I think it's an expectation thing though. And I maybe maybe I'm just more jaded to think that if you have multi passions, no one job. I don't know what job is gonna do economics and hanging out with my kid and fitness. Like I don't think I have a job that can do all yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very much like you said, like it's, it's a mindset thing. It's if you have these really high expectations for, you know, every day at your job, every minute of your job needs to like light your soul on fire, you're going to end up being really disappointed. And I think that 
you know, my perspective, and this is me talking as, you know, a person working in HR, like there are parts of my job that are really hard, that are really emotionally taxing, um, which is also balanced out by the times where like I, I get to really impact people on a really personal, intimate level as well. You know, anything relating to people's money, <laughs> it's important. So I think that maybe my perspective similar to yours is a little jaded that um, I think that you can be happy with your job without it having to be the thing you're most passionate about. And you can have it tick the boxes for you, but not tick all of them. And I think that by setting that expectation that you have to love what you do, a lot of people end up in a position where they feel like they're failing. Yeah, they regret something or they feel sad because it doesn't match up with what yeah. other people think they need. Why do you think, why, I mean, maybe it's just because people are selling this idea and this is part mm -hmm. of their business. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the answer. But like, why do you think people say, you never work a day for your life if you love what you do? Mm -hmm. And so you should find this thing that you love to do because you're never going to feel like you're working. Mm -hmm. And like we said, that's probably an expectation that's setting up a lot of people to fail. But why so do you smart. think that's out there? Do you think it's just like a, a sale tag? So I think that it's become that. I don't think it started there. Honestly, I think that it comes from a place of, you know, we're given this expectation, like you can have it all. You can balance everything. You know, there's unlimited opportunity. And if you're not living your best life, well, then you're not trying hard enough. And it really puts us in this, you know, weird treadmill of expectations and continuing to grow that even if people aren't financially benefiting from it, it's a little bit of that like comparing with the Joneses or keeping up with the Joneses of, well, this person looks like they're really happy. And what they said was, you know, you just need to try harder to find this job or this way to like monetize your passion. I'll also say like personally, I think that just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you need to attach monetary value to it. Because in some ways that can really devalue what you're doing. You may not enjoy it as much. Like, so for example, um, I know someone who is really good at art, loves to, you know, paint, watercolor, all of that. And was kept being told by people like, oh my God, your stuff is so good. You should be selling art prints. You should be on this website or that website. And they started doing it. And then a lot of their passion for, for watercolor kind of disappeared. And it felt more like, oh, I'm doing this out of obligation. Or instead of doing something that I really enjoy, um, I'm now doing watercolors that, you know, will maybe be more financially viable. And I think that's actually really, really neat. I, I kind of feel that way sometimes about social media. You know how I feel. Yeah. You have to be on you social media to have a presence. Relationship. But I mean, social media is a specific set of skills. You need to be very engaged uh, with followers. You need to post all this time. You need to have content planned out. And these are a different skill set than what I possess as an economist. I love talking about economics and can think of things, but am I 
strategizing on this frontier of like, this is the way social media likes things, the way people like to see things. That's a different expertise. Mm -hmm. And so trying to even move, like you said, your passion to a specific job or platform, like, like you said, with the example of art, and I hear that all the time, um, it just might not line up that way. And so Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is really important that your passions don't necessarily have to be monetized. And that could be whether that's in your primary job or in like a consulting or secondary Mm -hmm. or your side hustle or whatever. Like, I, I think that a lot of, there's almost this expectation now that every moment of your day has to be productive. And I say, quote unquote, productive. And I think that's part of where kind of like monetizing your passion is because you'll be the most productive you can be and you'll be making money for it. And you always need to be making money because if you don't hustle, you're not doing enough and other people are laughing you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this like, you know, kind of like the shark, like if it's not swimming, it dies feeling. And I think that we really need to evaluate that assumption that you do have to be always hustling or you do need to be making more and more and more and more money. Yeah. And that you have to monetize everything, all of your waking moments. I don't, I think that taking that as an assumption of, you know, you need to be doing more, better, faster, you know, whatever. Maybe we take away that assumption because it's probably, you know, hurting people. They're disappointed or regretting leading to some Mm -hmm. depression at their job and making them think that their job is not enough. Because there's these society expectations Mm -hmm. that you have to monetize your passion or your passion has to be in your primary job. And I think Mm -hmm. or your job has has to satisfy everything for you, which it doesn't. Yeah, I think this whole thing is it's pretty interesting. I think a lot of it comes down to setting expectations around. And like clearing out the noise from other Mm -hmm. people. Yeah, I think it's about setting the expectations of what works for you. You know, okay, maybe other people do want their job to check every single box for them. Okay, that's great. That works for them. But, you know, I think that taking a step back and saying, okay, so starting off with what do I want my job to accomplish? You know, is it something where I've known people where for them, travel is a huge driver for them. They're super motivated by being able to travel. So for them, they need a job that requires that they travel because it helps to scratch that itch for them. Or they're remote and they can travel. Exactly. Um, You could have it fulfill needs like that. Um, But I think that, you know, it's just very hard to put the pressure of everything needs to be fulfilled within your one job. I think the other thing that's really important for people to think about is when you're looking for a new job, maybe don't start with, okay, what am I passionate about? Start off with, well, what am I good at? Because you can get into basic stuff of, you know, I'm good at math or I'm good at talking to people or whatever. But when we really think about it, if you're in a job that is utilizing the skills and the strengths that you have in a really positive way, you're going to feel much more satisfied with your day to day because you're doing something you're already good at, something you have a natural propensity for. Um, That's why we're both here on this podcast. We both are talkers. We're passionate about what we're talking about. Um, But that doesn't mean that like this is us, quote unquote, doing what we love because it's hard. (laughs) This is hard work. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not good at editing. Kudos to you for always editing. Yeah. So it's, but it really is us leaning into a skill set saying like for you, Danielle, you are great at educating people. And that's something that shows up in, you know, your day job as a professor, 
But also your consulting jobs is about passing on information in ways that people can digest it and can use it. I bet you feel more satisfied in those roles than maybe some, let's say we put you in a cubicle somewhere. A very procedural role where I'm doing the same thing. Yes. And that's actually one of the reasons I left other jobs. So I think that's a really good insight on your part because you're right. I do like to educate people. I do like to impart knowledge, but I've also liked to learn knowledge. You know, not learn knowledge. I like to learn things too to increase my knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, I sound like such an educator right now. But um, I think that's exactly right. That if you do things that you are good at, you're probably going to have some confidence in that. And you're probably going to be happier than doing things that you know you don't really do very well. And you're you're probably not going to be very confident in them. Mm -hmm. And you might just, you know, really end up not liking a good part of your day. Yeah. And you can be really passionate about something that you're not very good at. So then you end up doing something that like, for example, let's say you're really passionate about nonprofit and a nonprofit specific to early, early stage learning. So like early, um, little kids. Yes. Working with children. (laughs) My brain just completely went to screensaver. You might be really passionate about that in your personal life. But then if you end up taking a job where you're working in, let's say, um, gifting, and you're constantly having to beg for money and try to sell these things in, you may end up in a position, if you're not good at that, you're dealing with constant frustration. So yes, technically, you're doing what you love. You're in a field you love, but the actual day-to-day task is something you don't love. Yeah. And then you're much more unhappy than if you were, let's say, working as a teacher's aide or you were... Right. I actually have a situation like Mm -hmm. that. Like I love sports, played college sports, played... Mm -hmm. I still, you know, play sports. And like I said, I like fitness and just being very active. Mm -hmm. And I thought for a while I would be in the sports management field. But I quickly realized working for a team involved a lot of ticket sales, at least at the very early stages. And selling tickets, cold calling people was just not a skill set that I had, nor wanted to have, nor even enjoyed. I knew early on, I didn't like that. I had an internship doing that for a wealth management firm, Mm -hmm. um, which actually is in in part why I've never wanted to become a financial planner fully Mm -hmm. because I like explaining the educational component of financial planning to people. But I don't particularly love trying to find clients and sell them and feel like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm forcing things upon them. So that's kind of why I'm in this education field. I'm really passionate about personal finance, but I am not passionate about pushing something onto people, which I feel a lot of financial planners do. So I think that's a really, you know, Mm -hmm. really smart way to put this. Yeah, I think you know, you, you really are going to get more satisfaction in your day-to-day out of doing things that you're good at and kind of leaning into your strengths as opposed to, you know, leaning into a passion that maybe it's going to feel like Sisyphus, like pushing the boulder up the hill every day. It's really hard. So yeah, I think doing what you love is something that is a expectation society has for people, but that's not going to line up for a majority of people. You can do things that make you happy at work, but it does not have to be where all of your passions lie or even a majority of the passions lie. So Mm -hmm. we've been, we've given you a lot to think about this week. 
We'd love to hear from you and hear whether you think you should do what you love or, or do you do what you love? Are you one of the few people that, you know, we call an outlier that has a job that completely lines up with everything they're passionate about? We'd love to hear from you. If you found today's episode helpful, please rate, follow, and share on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the show to more individuals who can benefit from it. You could follow the podcast on Instagram at Connecting the Dots Pod. You could follow me, Danielle, at TalkMoney underscore to me on Instagram. And you can follow Genevieve at Just Ask Genevieve. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.